Hi, everybody. My name is Tony Ann Marcolini. Welcome to the podcast. It may interest you to know. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties today, so the podcast will be audio only. Uh, I know most of you do uh, absorb it that way, I think, by listening audio only. But for those of you who follow on YouTube, you're used to having the visual as well. Um, that won't be happening today for this interview. It'll, it'll only follow as an audio. But I hope you stick with us anyway, because it's an amazing interview uh, with an iconic Academy Award winning, uh, Golden Globe winning actor by the name of George Chikaris. So if you're a, a West Side Story fan, uh, or I mean, my goodness, I hope we're going to get into everything here today is his uh, participation in uh, movies with uh, Rosemary Clooney and Marilyn Monroe and Charlton Heston and Gene Kelly. The list goes on and on. Uh, so he, uh, he recently also wrote his autobiography. I hope to get into all of that here today. So allow me to say welcome, Mr. Chikaris. Well, hi there. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. A longtime fan. And I, I, I know everybody's going to be most curious about, you know, the Academy Award and, uh, and West Side Story, but I have to go back a little bit earlier. I just, okay. I can't help myself. <laughs> All right. I have to talk a little bit about the fact that you worked with Marilyn Monroe in a couple of movies. Uh, yes, well, I got to be around her a few times, but I, I was one of the guys uh, behind her in the Diamonds or Girls' Best Friends number from General for Blonde. So that was my first time around her. It's, that's what I take for credit is just being able to say that I was one of the guys in that number. How about that? <laughs> Do you remember being the first day on set, like knowing you were going to be in a Marilyn Monroe film? Do you remember what that was like? Well, I'll say at the time, you know, I was, uh, that was one of my first uh, chorus jobs. And so my, I, I, I wasn't uh, thinking about stars and so on. I was just thinking about pleasing the choreographer because we were actually working for Jack Cole, who staged that number. And by the way, uh, Jack Cole was her favorite choreographer. So I just remember that the, the, uh, the, the thing that was most important was just uh, doing what we we're supposed to do and, and, and just doing the work, you know. But, it, but, uh, but, but she was, of course, you know, just uh, very, you know, she was so young herself. And she was, uh, you know, as we all have learned over all these years of studying and, uh, and, and beautiful she was. She was, she was very quiet, but she was very, very impressive. Well, well, that was quite a way to start your career. Uh, I, I know you did White Christmas too, as a as a dancer as well, right? With That's Rose, right. Bing Crosby, Rosemary Clooney, um, and it actually could you tell the story because I think that a picture from White Christmas is kind of what uh, burst you onto the scene in a big way back then. Well, yeah, you know, there were I was there were a couple of. Uh, 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 musical numbers on White Christmas. One of those, the Mandy number, when there were a, a lot of dancers in, in that one. It's a really huge, big production number. But the uh, but Rosie, Rosemary Clooney, did a song called Love You to Do Right by Me. And in that uh, uh, musical sequence, there were just four guys around her. So we were all more visible. And uh, uh, when uh, 
Life magazine did a spread on uh, White Christmas and uh, a full two-page two color spread. And one of the pictures they had in that spread was a picture of Rosie and the four of us around her. Of course, nobody knew who, who we were, but but uh, uh, a lot of I got a lot of fan mail <laughs> just from that picture in Life magazine of, of, of girls wanting to know who I was. And thanks to those. Uh, those uh, letters, uh, Paramount, uh, you know, decided they would screen test me, and and because of that, they signed me to a seven-year contract. So it was it was a, it was a, a, a really a great thing that happened. Oh yeah, I mean, you got to do a lot of big kind of musicals even at the time. I know and MGM used you, I think, in Country Girl and uh, right or. Well, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, working as a dancer in the beginning was just uh, was such a great thing because you got to be in wonderful musical numbers around with with, with that were uh, created for stars like Rosemary and and uh, and uh, Marilyn and Bing Crosby and uh, and Gosh and uh, it, it was it was a very exciting time. I was just in the background, but I didn't mind that. I loved every second of it. It was great. Do you have a favorite story from uh, from those years from film trying to film, let's say, White Christmas? Is there a favorite like you know, a favorite like on set moment for you? Uh, ask, ask me that again, honey. I didn't quite understand. Sure. Like, do you have, when you were filming White Christmas, do you have like a favorite moment that you remember doing the filming on that? Well, I loved the whole thing. The choreographer for that uh, film was a man called Robert Alston, and all the dancers in town loved working for him. So just working for Bob Alton was was, was uh, incredible, and being in two of the numbers was. Uh, was was great too. Just being in that movie and just being one, I, I got to be an extra in it as well. Some of the dancers uh, who were in the numbers were also used in some of the scenes, just as background. But that whole experience was just so much fun. Uh, you know, it, all the the stars, uh, Ben Crosby, Rosemary, Danny Kaye, and Vera Ellen. I think they I think they all had such a great time too. They seemed also really love working with each other and laughed and giggled and just there was a uh, just a beautiful uh, atmosphere to that uh, to that movie altogether. Everyone had a great time. And it's still a classic, right? I mean, you, you, you every Christmas you you can watch that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the nice things about White Christmas. Absolutely, it's, it's yeah. Every 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 year we can see it if we if we want. Now there comes a point in time where you decide to, uh, I guess, head for New York, right? And and try out for a play, like to be on stage. Yeah, well, and I remember the year, uh, sort of the middle of 1958, uh, there were not, uh, musical movies were uh, beginning to not be as frequent, so the dancers in town didn't have as much work as they, they needed, and what I decided to do, and a few of us decided to do, was uh, 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 go to New York, just just go to New York, and uh, what ha I have a couple of friends who had gone to New York before me, and they let me stay on the couch in their living rooms, so I had a place to stay, 
and they also knew everything was going on in New York, and one of the things was going on at that time, West Side Story was just coming, uh, uh, West Side Story in the theater was just coming to its first year anniversary. And uh, so they were uh, auditioning people to replace uh, kids who were going to leave the show. And they were all also auditioning, they were also forming a London company. So I got to New York at just an incredibly lucky time. And I got to audition for West Side Story for replacements in the theater or for the London company. And I ended up being hired to work in the London company. I, I, I was hired to play Riff. Uh, in the London company, and uh, wow, that was so exciting. And then, you know, what I found really interesting when I was doing, you know, some research before today's interview is that I would have thought that they would have wanted, you know, when it came time for the film and you went to an audition for the film, that you likely... Uh, role would have been the one that you had been already playing in the play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? But instead, they move you to a different character. Well, what happened was, like, uh, when, I was, when, I, when I was in the show in, in London, I, I'd been in it for a year and a half, so it was a nice long time. I got a letter from United Artists at, saying that they would like to test me for the film, and they asked me to pick a scene as Riff and a scene as Bernardo. So I tested uh, initially for both parts, um, and then... The second time around, they asked me to uh, uh, do, uh, do a screen test as Bernardo. Um, that was the first time I met Bob Wise and uh, John Robbins, who had uh, conceived and choreographed the stage version, uh, directed that test. So I started off, they started off thinking of me as riffs, but then when they saw us, I guess when they saw us on film, uh, they thought I might be more appropriate for the role of Bernardo. And then... I mean, the cast, right, of of when the movie comes together for West Side Story and your cast, uh -huh. I mean, you have Natalie Wood, you have Rita Moreno. I mean, yeah. I mean, this this is some cast coming together for the movie. Do you remember your first day on set? Oh, well, I'll tell you what I, what I, I, what I remember is my first day at rehearsal because it was the first day I met uh, Natalie and it was also the first day I met Rita. I had never met any of them before. And it was just uh, a very high energy happening altogether. It was really exciting. Natalie was darling, a huge star, of course, and she's so beautiful in that film. Uh, but she's such a lovely person. I just remember being taken by her uh, as just as the, the lovely uh, young woman that she was and professional and talented and all of that. And uh, meeting Rita for the first, meeting all the other kids for the first day at the first day of rehearsal was just exciting. But it was the first time that Rita as well. And of course, we got to know each other really well over the years and have been friends ever since. Oh, wow. <laughs> Now that's that's wonderful that you stayed in touch after that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I mean, some of the scenes, you know, were, I, I mean, when I watch West Side Story, and I've watched it many times, um, what's interesting to me is there's this balance of drama, right, and then and then music, you know, which is not common for me, uh, what I consider to be a musical. Like most musicals, if you will, are happy-go-lucky, you know, it's just a, a feel-good kind of ex Gene Kelly-esque kind of experience. Uh, uh -huh. But this was one of the first times I can remember seeing on film 
you know, where there's a lot of drama and yet the music, right? That certainly yeah. felt like a different vibe, didn't it? Well, uh, it, it did actually, uh, because it's uh, West Side Story is based on the, the Romeo and Juliet story uh, theme and, uh, and then uh, brought forward to, to modern times. Uh, 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 instead of the Montagues and the Capulets, it was the Sharks and the Jets. So right. it was about um, uh, com competing ga gangs who were both looking for their place uh, to make uh, the city their home and how one uh, gang uh, was trying to dominate the other. So, and, and also the love story between Tony and Maria, it became uh, dramatic, so to speak, because it, well, it was dramatic. It was uh, uh, the, the, the Jets uh, uh, were, were not accepting the Puerto Ricans into the city. So there became a conflict uh, the real, a real kind of conflict that actually was actually going on, and then uh, the beautiful thing, one of the things, beautiful things I think about the movie of West Side Story is the Leonard Bernstein score and Stephen Sondheim lyrics. So the music was very different from the kinds of music that were heard in, in movie musicals uh, in previous years. It was, it, ha it had fun and, and tempo and, and upbeat stuff, but it was basically it was dramatic and, and Leonard Bernstein's score is, is as we all know now is, is very classic and very beautiful. What was the hardest scene to film? Um, I think the, the hardest scene, the, the prologue in New York, we filmed that on location in New York and so we were dancing on, on hard surfaces, on cement, on streets, and, and that was a, a little more difficult than, than a, a studio floor that, that kind of gave with your body. That, uh, uh, but so I, I would say the, um, the prologue, but uh, it's a, it was difficult in that sense. But for example, the American number was not easier. It was it had just had a whole totally different spirit to it, and there was so much fun uh, in the American number between the guys and the girls. So just the spirit and the uh, drama of, of the of the different numbers created a different kind of tension and a kind of different work ethic as well. Was there any one scene that you can remember? Uh... Now they'd call them bloopers, right? But but that you guys were, you kept breaking out in laughter and you just had a hard time getting the scene done. Oh, my, well, <laughs> uh, the American number and the dance at the gym, because in both of those, there, there were lots of kids around. But the American number especially was such great fun. Uh, between takes, we laughed and we played a lot. And uh, there were there were just a couple of takes where Bob Wise and Jerry Robbins allowed us to play and to on purpose make mistakes. So, uh, but the nature of that uh, that number allowed that kind of playfulness to go on and still be uh, uh, keep the spirit of the number and the work going too. But so the American number was um, was the one where we sort of got to play uh, around more between takes and have fun that kind of uh, almost disrupted things now and again, but it never disrupted uh, the work. Do you remember the, the moment you learned you had been nominated for an Academy Award for your role? 
God, yes, I do. Uh, you know, that was in uh, early 1962. Uh, uh, Bob Wise and Russ Tamlin and uh, uh, Richard and I were in uh, London for the Royal uh, Command performance. West Side Story was the Royal Command performance for the Queen uh, that year. And uh, so there was a screening. We all met the Queen. That was incredible. And uh, there was an intermission of the screening that night. And during the intermission, uh, we were waiting around uh, to for the intermission to be over. But during that intermission, Bob Wise had been on the phone with the West Coast. And that was when he found out that he had gotten, that the West Side had received the nominations it had received. And uh, one of them was for me. So that was the first time I heard about that, knew about that. But it was during that intermission that Bob told me of that, you know, that we had been nominated for anything. It was great. That had to be pretty exciting. I mean, <laughs> that, that's, that's, you know, such an, uh, you know, uh, an amazing award to receive, to be the recipient of just knowing you had been nominated had to be a, a great feeling. Well, I'll tell you, it, it was, it was incredible. It's sort of, I, it was hard to appreciate the, uh, the, how, how wonderful it was because it was, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, listen, I had been a dancer and Hollywood movie musicals. And then I was lucky enough to be in West Side Story Theater and then lucky enough to be in the film. And then now lucky enough to be nominated for an award. It was, it was, you almost couldn't take it all in. It was just phenomenal, you know? Can you talk to me about the night, the, the, the night that you win, like the Academy Awards, you know, hearing your name? Oh, God. Well, yeah, you know, Rita and I, we were really great friends by this time. So we were both nominated and we went to the awards uh, together. The car came and got me first and then we went to Rita. And when she came out of her door, she said, I'm practicing my loser's face. <laughs> she's, she's very funny and so and we both we both got lucky that night it was such an incredible night to attend that together and then to both be such great friends and to both uh get lucky together it was an extraordinary it was just i can't describe how beautiful that that evening was it was, it was perfect um Gosh, I, I, I lost track of where I was going with this, but uh, I hope that answers your question in some way. Well, it does. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, of course, what's going through your mind. I mean, I'm sure you're just nerve wracked. It's hard enough knowing everyone's staring at you, I guess, while they're calling the names well, I, out. I, but I, I, I just now remembered, uh, you know, the, the, what. Uh, my acceptance speech and Rita's were probably the two shortest speeches ever, because <laughs> uh, you know we've all learned after, in, in the years after how people give quite long acceptance speeches. They thank their families, the production company, that they thank a lot of people. I did, I was green and I didn't understand any of that. So all I could say was, thank you. I mean, that, that was, that, I was too uh, unaware or too sort of carried away to uh, think of anything else. But, and, and the bottom line is that's what I, really needed to say was to say thank you i didn't think thank specific people i just said thank you very very much so it was short and rita's uh acceptance speak was lucky too i guess she felt the same wow that's <laughs> really what more can you say <laughs> i mean I'm sure you can thank specific people but at the point that uh 
uh, that you're up there receiving the award. It really is is acknowledgement of your your work in particular. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, it it was uh, it wasn't still as an extraordinary uh, blessing. You know, it's it's great. I'm going to put you in in a, a rather small elite group of uh, actors, actresses, you know, celebrities who've actually achieved that level of success, who've actually won that award. Given the amount of people that have been in your profession, there's a very small right. group who've been acknowledged in that way. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Uh, it's again, it's just such a. a, a it's such an extraordinary thing to experience and to have happen, and, and so uh, the good fortune that comes with it as well. It's, it was just a, an incredible moment, you know. I realized it more after the fact than while it was happening, you know. Oh, sure. I think hindsight always does that for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, you also then went on to work with uh, other, you know, major people in the industry. I have to just yeah. touch upon you worked with Gene Kelly. Yes. Uh, who well, arguably is the greatest dancer, maybe, you know, uh, ever. Well, <laughs> yeah, we all know, and of course it's absolutely true, the two uh, incredible uh, male dancers in the film, of course, were Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. They were very different in style, but they were, they're both phenomenal. And they, they, uh, they created, uh, both of them, uh, uh, very unique and special and beautifully uh, orchestrated uh, musical numbers for film. Uh, I mean, Gene was a, a, a pioneer, uh, and uh, his camera work was 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 great. There's so many things about Gene that were were wonderful aside from what he actually did himself, because he created the numbers. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So I got I didn't get to dance around Fred Astaire, but I did get to work uh, around Gene Kelly in a movie called Brigadoon. And that was still when I was a, a, a chorus dancer, but I did work with Gene on that one. And he was, he was uh, just so great to work for. He's really nice and really took care of the dancers, you know. And didn't you, did you do a movie with uh, Catherine Deneuve and, and Gene? I, I, I did. I got, it's called The uh, the Younger Girls of Rochefort. I think that was 1966. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know who anybody was, but I got to do that that movie and of course i found out who everybody was and uh that's that's still you that's one of my favorite movies that i ever got to be in still because uh jacques demy the uh, the french director the guy who created that movie had already done a wonderful movie with Catherine called the uh the uh, uh, the umbrellas of cherbourg and that got got worldwide its attention there's some uh, uh it was a beautiful, beautiful film, and of course, Catherine was an extraordinary in it. But so he did this film called The Young Girls of Warsaw again with Catherine and her sister, her real life sister, Francoise Dorliac, and then, and of course, Jean. So I, I had worked with Jean on Brigadoon uh, just as a, as a dancer, but this time I got to, got to be around it, and we were both featured performers in the film. So it's so funny how things happen, you know. And and was it different between the experience, you know, with one when you were more of a, uh, like in the background and, and, and then being a, a feature? Did your interaction with him change a lot? 
Well, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, no, it wasn't really difficult because the thing that you think about, no matter your position is, uh, or, or what uh, your position on a film, is the work itself. So you're really concentrated on what you're doing, and that's uh, that. Your focus is all on the job at hand, uh, and uh, there was a lot more. Uh, for me to do in the Young Girls of Rush War, of course, there was a lot uh, than there was in Brick of Doom, where I was just a, a, a dancer in one number. And the Young Girls of Rush War, I was a featured player, and I was in a lot of the musical numbers, and so there was a lot to learn, and it was great. All of it was, uh, uh, you know, it's funny, it's hard work, but it's just so much fun, you know. And you did it well. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, did you have a background in dancing? Were you trained? Well, uh, I, as a kid, I grew up, you know, like a lot of kids, uh, uh, watching movie musicals and that kind of thing. And so I'd, I'd always loved that. But, but uh, the first, my first opportunity to study dance uh, didn't happen until I was 19. Uh, I, I I was living in Long Beach, my family and I living in Long Beach, and uh, a girl, one of the girls I was at school with, told me about a, a, a dance, a ballet school in Hollywood called the American School of Dance, and she said, "Lessons come on, centuries take class." There, well, that's all I have to hear. So I, I went there one day to watch a professional class one morning. Nobody's famous in class, but when I saw that class, I knew that I wanted to study there, and, and I did. So uh, I started dancing late, but it wasn't too late for me. Uh, that, but that was how I actually took my first uh, <coughs> professional class. Well, you're a quick learner then. <laughs> wow. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe, you know, when you love something that much, I guess you learn more quickly than, than you think you could. But uh, uh, I never stopped to think about how quickly I learned anything. But I, it, was, it was just such a beautiful time. I really, I, I loved going to that school and just being a dancer taking class, you know. Now, you've, you also worked with, uh, I want to say, Charlton Heston in a movie. and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say, yeah, a movie called Diamond's Head. That, that, it was when we were working on Diamond's Head that I found out uh, uh, about the, uh, that I was, uh, I left the, uh, the filming for just a few days to attend the Academy Awards that year. But uh, Diamond's Head, I, I love Diamond's Head. I, I've got to have to tell you, Charlie Heston, everybody called him Chuck, was one of the most gracious people you'd ever want to meet. Uh, the thing that I liked about him really a lot was that his wife was with him the whole time we were working on the, on that film, and they had a, a beautiful, beautiful marriage. And he was he was uh, he didn't he didn't uh, overlord anything. He was just there like everybody else uh, doing his work, and uh, he always took a, a yellow legal pad to him uh, to rushes, uh, so that when he watched the himself in the rushes, he would make notes to uh, uh, to keep working on his performance as the days went on but he's just one of the uh, the, the nicest pe people you ever want to meet in, in 1978 I was in London uh, at the Queen's Theatre doing a play called The, pa the Passion of Dracula I played Dracula and uh, that was a great time but Chuck and his wife came to see the show, and they came backstage. We got to see each other again. We took pictures together. But again, I, he was just such a gracious, lovely, lovely uh, man. Wow.
that's still that how many people get to say that they actually worked with charlton heston <laughs> yeah yes really yeah, uh, he's he's so impressive himself. He's got a, a really beautiful uh, uh, sculpted face. He's, he's got a, a, a he's a wonderful actor, but he has a great face as well. And, and you you also worked with Cliff Cliff Robertson, another big actor in his day. Oh God, Cliff, he was so great. You know, with Cliff, there was uh, not an ego inside. He was just there for the work. And uh, he was really easy to work with and be around. And uh, I, I didn't get to know him well, but I knew him well enough to know that I, I really uh, liked him. He was he was a, a pilot too. The Century Three Squadron was about uh, their incredible flying sequences in that film. And Cliff was a flyer and owned his own aircraft uh, uh, privately. But uh, but it's just that he was. Uh, he uh, came to work like anybody else, no fuss, no nothing like that, just there doing what he was supposed to do, and so easy to be around. Wow. Still, yeah, he, I mean, he had a series of, you know, great movies, too. Uh, a big actor, you know, definitely a big actor. Uh, I mean, you, yes. you were... Uh, you were indeed interacting with some of the the top i mean you did another film with yule brenner and richard woodmark um, right right um uh, uh, the first one uh, my, i did two movies with yule and, and the first one was a flight from Mashiach. we filmed it in japan and it was with yule of course and richard woodmark uh both <laughs> extraordinary guys and both so different as people and the way they work so it was really interesting to see that because uh Yule was uh Richard was uh very private and did socialize I mean had but so uh, uh, the most important thing to Richard was of course the work he was he was great he was so beautifully professional and I I spent uh a lot of my time, my role in that film, uh, sitting next to him. So he was a lesson. I, I learned a lot from watching him. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine that would be true. <laughs> right? uh, never having, you know, been at that level, I, I can't even imagine it. But I imagine learning from people like that has to be a pretty amazing experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was still too naive to even realize what was happening to me that I was in these movies starring above the title with people like that uh it, it, it didn't hit me I was just doing my work and uh, having the uh the wonderful opportunity to meet people like that and then you wound up working I think you transitioned towards some tv projects with uh, Jose Ferreira I think brings you into a uh, uh, uh kismet I want to say uh, yeah, well, I, I loved Kismet um, with uh, Jose for uh, Adam Maria Albagetti uh, and uh, Hans Conrad. Yeah. Uh, Kismet, Kismet was a, 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 it's a, it's a beautiful show. Uh, Barbara Eaton was in it. She's a, wow, she was so gorgeous. She's a wonderful <laughs> editor. But again, the, the thing, one of the things I loved about Kismet was I, I, uh, they, uh, the, the part I played, the Caliph, Prince uh, had, of course, to sing. And most people don't, when they think of me, they'll think of me as a singer, but I was, uh, uh, I had 
I, I don't know how to say this, but singing was also another uh, talent that I had. And in Kismet, uh, Anna Maria Albergetti and I uh, share, uh, do a duet of a beautiful song called Stranger in Paradise. Um, but so the music was beautiful and it was, uh, I, I loved doing it. I got someone who restored it and uh, we got to a screening of it just about a few months ago. So it was nice to see it restored in color and all of that and just be reminded uh, what a nice piece it was. And then eventually you wound up in, uh, um, you know, a medical medical center in a dra dramatic role. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll never gosh, medical center, you got, again, you just get to work with wonderful people. Frank Glixman was the producer of that show, and I think I did three of them, and I kept, you know, television at that stage of the game uh, was using uh, wonderful directors and people from, from the great Warner Brothers movies, and uh, I can't think of his name right now, but one of the episodes was directed by one of the great Warner Brothers directors who'd done movies with Betty Davis and everything, but people people moved on to where the work was, and uh, a lot of the time that was an episodic television, and so some of those episodic television shows were really wonderful, uh, good quality, and, and great to do. Yeah, that. Oh, I just I just remembered that director's name. His name is Vincent Sherman, and if you look him up, uh, you'll see he's credited with some really uh, incredible movies at Warner Brothers with Betty Davis. Yeah. Did you? How did you find the transition for? Because at that point you'd been you'd been on the stage, you'd been in film, and now you'd moved to television. So you're kind of you know hitting all the bells like for the different areas. How did you find yeah. that transition? Well, uh, the thing with television is uh, that uh, uh, it, it, it moved very quickly. Uh, movies go more slowly. There's more attention to detail because it has a uh, they have a longer shooting schedule. Television, because it's uh, episodic every week, uh, things move more quickly. So that was the, the basic uh, challenge, as it were, for, for everybody, for the writers, for the producer, and for the actresses to to just well, memorize and learn and move more quickly. Uh, but it was still, depending on the script, everything depends on the script. And if you have a script that you like, you can always have a good time. But making it, so it wasn't really a transition of any kind. It was still film, if you like. You know, television is still, you're there with the camera in the room. It was on film. So it did feel different. It just moved a, a bit more quickly. Do you have a favorite genre? I mean, where you enjoyed mostly like being on stage or being in film or TV? Gosh, I think I I've uh, been on stage. Theater is is I love theater more than I think more than anything. Um, and and the you know uh, once you're uh, doing theater work, once you rehearsal over uh, and you're on stage, uh, if the only people are in control. Uh, uh, at that stage are the people on stage and so uh, uh, but, but it's, there's something really wonderful about being on stage with a live audience and that uh, and, and trying to please uh, to please that audience and also you never know what can happen in the course of an evening things do happen people make mistakes things go wrong so it's you're always 
uh, on the ball uh, in a way that you have to be. And in, in film, you, you can relax a little bit more if you like, because if, you, if anybody makes any mistake, you cut and start again. In, film, in, in the theater, you can't cut and start again. <laughs> it has to be right from beginning to end, no matter what happens, you know. And the energy, right? You must get a lot of the, you know, your energy from the crowd. Exactly. You're so right. That's a great way to put thank you for that. The energy from the crowd, because there absolutely is energy from an audience. And uh, when when it, when, a, a, when a, something in the theater is going well, you really feel that energy, you know. What was it like to work with Stephen Sondheim? Well, you know, I worked, with, uh, he was uh, with us, of course, for West Side Story in London. And then I, I also did company uh, Beautiful Stephen Sondheim musical. I did it for a year with the uh, with the late Stretch, and wow, I could talk about Elaine Stretch for a, a week. <laughs> she's so, oh God, she's so. I was so. That's one of my favorite uh, things ever was working almost a year on that show on a Stephen Sondheim show with Elaine Stretch. But Stephen, Stephen was wonderful. He's so articulate. He's so knowledgeable, and he's so nice. He's just a, a great person to be around when you're working on anything. He's constructive, he's helpful, uh, and, and but always in a generous, positive way. Uh, he was, he's phenomenal, uh, uh, certainly as a talent, of course, but also as a person, you know. You know, there's got to be a little story behind this, so I have to ask. Maybe there's none, and I'll be surprised, but when the Partridge family came to an end, um, like like the very last episode is you kissing you know Shirley Jones and that's kind of yeah. how the series ends in general. Is there a story yeah. behind how that came about? Well, I said just coincidentally, I hadn't really, uh, I hadn't sure you know Shirley was presented with the Academy Award that I that I that I won, but I didn't know her at that time. But on the, uh, while she was doing the Partridge Family at that time, Shirley and I both had the same representation, personal manager, a woman called Ruth Ahrens. So when uh, uh, the last episode of uh, Parker's Family was coming up, uh, I don't know whose idea it was, but uh, they cast me as the romantic interest to, to Shirley in, in that episode. And, you know, again, uh, Shirley Jones <laughs> is another sort of great person in life she's so that that beautiful voice that beautiful face she's so talented but she's just just one of the nicest people in the world so i was really glad that i got to be on any show with shirley but uh, that it turned out to be the final episode of the partridge family just made it much more fun and we, we we became friends after that i got to go to her house i met ryan when he was just six months old and so i met her and, and the boys and jack and and we socialized with each other a lot. It was just a great, a great time. That's such a great story. Oh, uh, yes, I figured. I mean, there has to be a little something there, a little behind the scenes story for that. Like the, the she, she rides off into the sunset, I guess, with you at the end. <laughs> just kind of uh, cool. <laughs> ask me that again. I'm so sorry. I, no, I said it, I was just commenting that that I knew there it had it was kind of a cool thing that like that's that whole show kind of comes to an end with you kind of you know fading to black with her, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was uh, 
well, it was more than fun, but it certainly was fun just to be around. And, and David, I mean, it was a it was a, tr- a tremendous show. Sure, I mean, and you you did a few episodes, I think, at least of Dallas. Uh, so I have to ask, what was that set like? Gosh, I t- you know what Dallas? Uh, I was not like a broken record. Dallas was a great set. Uh, I, I I was hired to, to do one episode. Robert Carrera was really the guest uh, of that season, but I was hired to play uh, a, a guy who was in cahoots with her in the story. And by the way, she was incredible. One of those beautiful women you'd ever want to see. But she was funny. She was so great to work with. But Dallas was a great set. It it, 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 it had been running for a long time. So it was so incredibly organized. Everything was perfect. Nobody ever had a problem on Dallas because it was so organized. Uh, The producer was great to work for. Uh, Everybody in the cat. It was just one of those, and I went on, instead of doing one episode, I went, I think I did 11 of them. So I got to be on, on that set uh, for a nice, good time. And honestly, uh, it, it was it was great. It was just an incredibly organized and beautifully run and organized show altogether. And Larry Hagman, how was he off camera? <laughs> well, I, 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 I had no scenes with Larry Hagman, so I got to socialize them between takes. And uh, he was great. What can I say? He was just very friendly, very nice, as people are in those situations. And that's all I got to know about him. But he was he was very friendly and really gracious and invited any guest on the show uh, 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 in a really gracious, nice way. And to, and to, uh, recently, uh, you appeared in the film Not to Forget uh, with a oh lot of... Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I did a whole day on that movie <laughs> um it, it's that movie is about uh about alzheimer's and uh, olivia dukakis was not a great friend but she was a friend uh was also on that when i found out that olivia was doing it and they asked me to do it and also what i knew was about I, I thought i would like to do that i hadn't done anything for a long time so i spent the day well almost two days on that at uh and I, I, I appreciate uh, that film and, again, the subject uh, of the film. Sure. I mean, uh, uh, Lou Gossett Jr., Tatum O'Neill, uh, Cloris Leachman, yes. uh, you know, there were yeah. other Academy Award winners with you. It's definitely an important topic uh, and yeah. a, a very yeah. valuable, right. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. A valuable service, I think, uh, to the to the world at large. The kind of attention a movie like that and the, the fundraising, you know, brings to the world. So, thank you, for, thank you for that. Yeah. I thought that was a really important project for you to be involved in. Well, it, it was uh, just the, the subject matter is is I I I think we're much more aware of these kinds of things in today's world than we than we used to be. So uh, more attention on that. Uh, on that dilemma, so to speak, uh, uh, and more, the more we learn about it, the better, absolutely. Did you have a creative process um, 
bringing the character because you know i think your industry i say this many times on the podcast is very collaborative all right so yeah. i mean it's it's not just one person like a, a writer who's writing a novel it's just them uh -huh. they're behind their computer and that's you know that's all there is to it but if, you know uh -huh. people involved in film they are there are the writers who make up the paper version of the characters and then of course the yeah. actors who bring them to life and the cinematographer and the, like the visual storyteller who brings us through the the story uh, and then the uh -huh. editor who picks the right scene you know the right cut uh, yes. how what was your process for bringing the character off the paper and breathing life into them well the the thing that i kind of automatically uh try to do is to uh try and imagine what that character is feeling at any moment moment of time uh because i i, I think uh I think the most important thing for an audience to appreciate uh, about any any character on on screen is how they feel, uh, and I, I, so uh, that's been that's always been one of the the first ways I approach a character because I think I, I, to me I think it is the most important is what is that character feeling at that moment and in that scene, and when you try to uh, uh, hook into that, it helps you come up with those feelings and it helps you uh, uh in your performance yeah it's because it's not i i think i think actors you guys bring the nuances to the characters right that you don't get to see on paper uh the, the little quirky things that make them ultimately become who they are and that's not an easy task either that definitely takes your own level of creativity you have to try to figure out you know who this person is and how i'm going to make them um unique yeah and and uh the thing that i notice when i watch things now is i know i notice uh, uh i appreciate what actors bringing more than probably was on paper bringing more than that to the to their performance and those things those additional things that actors bring to their performance usually happens in rehearsal because you you have to be uh you have to rehearse something to to feel it and find it and play off of other people and other people play off of you and that's how everybody uh, uh develops and uh brings more than than what is on paper to to what they're doing because it, it's uh, again it's, it's it's about people and about feelings and the interplay between characters right now i was a, i'm a tremendous natalie wood fan as well yeah. so i have to ask do you have a favorite natalie wood anecdote or story uh, you could share oh god i i have a few but but you know um when I was working on, uh, on West Side Story, Harold Mirish, uh, one of the producers, had a, a gathering in his evening, a social gathering, and uh, I was invited. Natalie was there, Melinda Mercury, there were lots of people there, and uh, Natalie and I were chatting about something, and she knew that my next, my next movie for the Mirish Company was going to be Kings of the Sun, which of course, you, you could classify that as a costume picture. And Natalie had herself had had experiences in her early career uh, uh, of uh, having to do a couple of, I'll say, costume pictures that she didn't like. And basically, she was telling me, she basically said to me, 
don't do a costume picture. <laughs> that, was, that was her. That was her advice, <laughs> and, and uh, that was just for, for that evening. But uh, I got to be around Natalie quite a few times, um, and uh, listen, she was she was sweet. She was intelligent. She was so talented, and she she understood the business really well. Even though she was only twenty three or twenty four herself, I mean, because she had been uh, in movies uh, uh, starting from uh, a, a very young age. So, uh, but the, the main thing to me, and I think it's what I noticed with almost everyone, is uh, is what a darling. Uh, lovely person she was she was just stunningly beautiful i mean she was perfect to look at uh but she was also perfect uh, as a person she she understood the challenges of life the, the challenges of, of uh, being a star the challenge of fame all of that and, and she understood all of that at a really young age that's how intelligent she was yeah I believe it, you know, um, great loss, uh, unfortunately, yeah, passing so yeah, young. Great yeah. loss, yes. Yeah. Um, now let's talk a little bit about, you, you've maneuvered, uh, I guess, a little bit away from the entertainment business to uh, to be an entrepreneur, right, into jewelry. Yeah, so you yes, uh, well, I, I don't know exactly how I started, but a while ago, it's probably like 30 years or something now, uh, I... Uh, there, there's a wonderful uh, uh, school here in town called Barnstall. It's, it's more like a, a miniature university, and uh, they teach different kinds of things that people have access to if they want. They teach uh, a sculpting, a painting, jewelry making, different things. And uh, I went there uh, and opted to uh, take the jewelry uh, making course. And uh, I loved it from the first moment. Uh, uh, the idea of making jewelry just really fascinated me. I've always loved making things. And so I got hooked, so to speak. And uh, 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 going on beyond that, I I developed, I, I, got, I got to know almost everybody downtown in the jewelry district just to find my way. And uh, I had manufacturers down there that I worked with. And uh, it uh, not too long after I'd created some of my pieces, a Japanese uh, distributor uh, liked my stuff and wanted to represent me in Japan, and he's been representing me there ever since. Uh, so it, it just, it, that's how things happen. They start small, and then if you're lucky, they build and become more. But the, the thing I love, you know, the creativity of, of jewelry is is what I love. You know, and, and as actors, you, you you work on the stage, and you're but everything you do is ultimately for an audience. Well, it's it's the same with jewelry. I think you you work on something, you design something, you make something, but what you hope for, you hope, hope it will please an audience because no matter what we do. We do it for other people and for, for, for an audience, and we hope to be successful that way. So jewelry has been a, just uh, a lot of work, but, but, but uh, just, just the creativity of it and actually making something that when you actually make it and you, you've completed the, uh, the, the process, you can actually hold it in your hand. There's just something very gratifying about that. 
Sure. I mean, I liken it to no different really than somebody who does create a sculpture or, or even a painting, uh, right? You, you have, you have yes. to have the same idea, the same spark and in advance yes. of, yes. of what you want to yes. create and then, and then put it in tangible form. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think most artists, again, no matter what the art form, they, they hope to please an audience. And, uh, I think, you know, sort of the same. Now, the last thing I'm going to bother you with, there's some questions about your autobiography. Oh, okay. Well, um, uh, let's see. Well, um, I, I, I wrote that book with a wonderful writer, Lindsay Harrison, um, and uh, that kind of is really because it, it, you have to review uh, your life and, and uh, uh and that was really so interesting to me because it reminded me of you, you know generally speaking I, for me when something is over i tend uh, to forget it but but doing this book with lindsay of course i had to try to remember as much as i could and i did remember a lot and just remember the thing i remembered overall was just how lucky i am to have done what i've been able to do and to meet the people i've met and to work with the people i've worked with and then most importantly my family i have such an incredible family my mother and father are the two most beautiful people on the planet so i got to think about all of that and spend time thinking about them again and spending time with all of that and that was the, the good part of doing a book what made you decide to finally do it? I imagine people were chasing you to do it for, you know, decades. Well, yeah, you know, you're in, in a room with friends and people are telling stories back and forth. And sometimes someone will say, that's, that's, a, that's a funny story. You should write a book, you know. So so I heard things like that. But it, it took, uh, uh, actually, my, Lindsay uh, Harrison, who has become a good friend, it was Lindsay who convinced me that uh, maybe I... Uh, that uh, I could write a book because I don't think of myself that way. But but so it was her encouragement that made me think it was something that was that I was that I could do and have it mean anything at all, you know. Well, I, I mean, it's I'm happy that you did it. Uh, it's definitely an amazing read that I highly recommend. Um, you tell some great you tell some great stories in the book and. Um, I will definitely put a link up, you know, for anyone. I Again, if you read it all, this is a biography you don't want to miss. Um, do you have any, what's your favorite or most memorable moment in, in, in your career that you'd say? No, I mean, not with your family, obviously, your, your most yeah. memorable moments are going to be family well, related, but. I think, I think the most memorable because to me, it, it, uh, it bore wonderful fruit was meeting and auditioning and working with jerome robbins uh jerry jerry was a, a, a we could we could comfortably use the word genius in connection with him he was extraordinary and i was so lucky to first of all audition for him work with him on the london company of west Sunset, and work work with him on the film his work ethic and his perfectionism and the beauty of what he did uh, to me is is phenomenal and i i think of him quite often it's a, i didn't get to know him personally very well but i didn't need to i i i really i really felt him in a way i think i think and I, and that's one of the reasons i think uh uh west side story turned out 
well for me was thanks uh, to him. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I, I, I realized too that I forgot to ask about, but I, I'm going to throw it in now as I, I just, I have to know. Because uh, you did the Country Girl with Grace Kelly and uh, William Holden, of course. Uh, and, and I mean, till today, Grace Kelly is still, uh, you know, read about, sought after, st still in the news. Uh, if you can imagine her family and they yeah. still talk about her. What was that like? Well, yeah, you know, I was an extra one day in the country girl. So that's, I got to be around them for uh, part of the day and that was all. But, uh, but I, I'm an admirer of, of Grace Kelly and her work on film. Uh, and of course we know about her private life and being princess and all of that. So she has, a, she had a, a extraordinary life herself. Uh, and uh, and she was one of the most beautiful people, uh, women on film ever as well. So there, there's a lot to be said. One of my favorite movies is Rear Window, oh, yeah. an Alfred Hitchcock movie. And uh, it's it, I just I love the movie, but I, of course James Stewart and and Grace Kelly, they're 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 so phenomenal. Yeah. Well, uh, you've you've had such an illustrious career. I mean, you've worked with. Uh, it just doesn't get much bigger than the people you've worked with at the upper echelons. Uh, and you've been yeah. a great performer. I mean, what you've given and the entertainment, I always say the entertainment business is highly underrated uh, because you never know what people are going through in their life. And uh, they need that, right? They need to be able to watch a movie uh, or maybe yeah. go to a show and be entertained and forget about well, whatever problems they have. It's an invaluable service you've provided across your lifetime. Well, I love what you just said. You never know what people are going through in their life. And it's true. The people on the screen, the people off the screen, you never know what anybody is going through. And it's, uh, I, I, I hear you say that that makes me appreciate you because that's a wonderful thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I say thank you to you. I mean, thank you for the, you know, billions of fans uh, who love you. And I'll never get this chance to have a conversation with you and say thank you because you brought a lot of joy in my life. You've been, you know, you've been involved in so many different things entertainment wise, whether, like I said, somebody's seen you on the stage or they've seen you in a film or in a TV show. Uh, and, and you've always given 100%. Uh, and most of your, the material that you have created is iconic, right? It, it's timeless. I still wow. can watch West Side Story, you know, anytime you want. You can catch it on, you know, any of the streaming platforms. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that you've done is will last forever. It's absolutely timeless, and you were pretty wow. brilliant in everything. So thank you. Well, God, thank you so much for that. That's so nice of you. Thank you. Uh, I, I, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been really uh, wonderful and lots of fun as well. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a guest. Uh, and I, uh, I know you're, you're busy and I'm sorry. I had to chase your uh, publicist down to try to get no, you. I'm glad you, did. I'm glad you did. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and joining me. And I'm, I'm going to let you go. The hour flew by, uh, okay. but thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I, I really appreciate your time and I enjoyed this chat. Thank you so much. Uh, ditto. I appreciate you as well. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.